Good morning and welcome. It is a brisk morning, and if you like the cold weather, then you're in the right place. Personally, I prefer it a little bit warmer, but nonetheless, we take what we can get. I do want to begin today by making note of the fact that Troy and Ruby Black will be celebrating their 70th wedding anniversary on February the 17th. And that is uh, a most unusual feat to think that uh, somebody could be married together for 70 years. My understanding is that he was 18 and she was 14 when they married. And as a result of their union together, they have four children, seven grandchildren, nine great-grandchildren, and five great-great-grandchildren. Most couples I know would have already killed each other <laughs> by now. <clears throat> but we do want to, we certainly want to wish them the best, and we are very thankful for their great example. We're going to be looking today at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Specifically, we want to look at verse 17. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, I want to begin today by asking, asking you this question. Have you ever thought you would like to start over? To have a clean slate? To make what we might say is a brand new start in life? There are lots of folks that, as a result of some of the things that they have done in the past, would love nothing more than to begin a new life. I mean, the opportunity to just wipe the slate clean, to start over, has to be appealing to a lot of people. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, at verse 17, Paul talks about the opportunity for a brand new start in life. I want you to listen again to what he said some 2,000 years ago. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I want to begin by talking about, for a moment or two, the scope of the new life. Listen again to what Paul said in verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, what Paul is saying is the door to a new life, to a new start, is open to everyone, whether male or female, whether Young or old, rich or poor, doesn't matter. God gives everyone the opportunity to start over. You remember during his earthly ministry, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, in verse 24, if any man will come after me. And the idea is that to follow Jesus is open to all. Sometimes we talk about the gospel is for all. 
You remember in Matthew 11, verse 28, when Jesus said, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, the promise being that he would give us rest. And so the opportunity to start anew, to start fresh, has been extended to all. Paul would say in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And so all of us have the opportunity, the invitation to begin a new life. And really that is, that's a great source of encouragement to a lot of people whose lives have been marred by mistakes, unfortunate circumstances, and sins. Let me just talk for a minute or two about this open door and the people to whom this door is opened. I think about those who are despised. You remember there is an account in Matthew chapter 9 of Jesus eating in the home of Matthew Levi. Matthew was a tax collector. The people of that day looked down upon those who engaged in this trade. So the religious leaders wanted to know why would your master eat with publicans and sinners? Why would he associate with those kind of people? It might be the case that you, individually speaking, feel as if others in the community, people you work with, people that you know, look down at you. In John chapter 4, there is a great story of a lady that was a Samaritan. And John tells us in verse 9 that the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. They looked down on those people. They viewed them as half-breeds, as dogs, really. And yet, that door was open to her for a new life. And let me tell you what, this lady had a lot of problems in her life. And so I think about people that are despised. And then there are some that have been deceived. There are a lot of people in our world, they have bought into what we might call the world's system. It's all about today. Jesus talked about those who have been deceived by the cares of the world. The deceitfulness of riches. There are some people... They've gotten so caught up in the mundane things of life, they've forgotten what's really important. In Hebrews chapter 3, the writer talks about those who have been deceived by the deceitfulness of sin. There are a lot of folks in our world today that quite frankly have been duped into thinking that the world will satisfy, that the world will somehow bring happiness and peace and joy. 
And then to find out that what the world offers is superficial happiness and peace and satisfaction. And then I think about people that are despised. Not just, as I mentioned a moment ago, not just people that are despised, not just people that are deceived, but I think about people that are defiled. And really, the despised and the defiled go hand in hand. You might be here today, and your attitude is, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know my life story. You don't know the depth of sin in my life. That may be the case. I don't know some of the things that you have done. I don't know where you've been. I don't know your deep, dark secrets. But I know this. That door is open to you. You say, well, how do you know that? In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, you remember Paul in writing to the church at Corinth? said, know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? He said, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, or revilers shall inherit the kingdom of God. And then he said, and such were some of you. Now we talk about a who's who of people whose lives have been marred by immorality, whose lives have been defiled by sin. And yet to understand that the door was open to these people, Paul would say that they were washed, that they were justified, they were sanctified. And then Luke tells us in Acts chapter 18, verse 8, that many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. You see, if you were perfect, you wouldn't need the Lord. If you had, if you had a perfect slate, then there would be no need for Jesus in your life. There'd be no need for the gospel of Christ. The fact of the matter is, some of us are despised. Some of us have been deceived. Some of us have been defiled. And then finally, I think about those who are doomed. Here's what Paul said in Romans chapter 6, verse 23. The wages of sin is death. Have you ever talked to somebody and, and they begin recounting their life story? They talk about some of the things that they've done and some of the problems they've had. And they talk about how in their mind, there's no way a gracious God in heaven would ever forgive them. In, in other words, they feel like they are beyond repair, beyond hope. There are people like that. There are folks in our world today, there are some people that are living in this community. Some of you might be here today. And your attitude is, you just don't understand. My life is beyond repair. 
I'm going to tell you what, as long as there is life, there is hope. And so the gospel, this invitation to a new life is open to those who are in a doomed state right now. So we talk about the scope of a new life, but I want you to think secondly for a moment or two about the source of this new life. Now listen again to what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, what Paul is saying is the person that can give you a new life, the one who has the power to make everything new, to wipe that slate clean, is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The Bible says that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus is interested in the souls of people. He loves us in spite of our sins. As a matter of fact, Paul would say in Romans chapter 5, verse 6, that in due season, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. The Lord Jesus Christ is interested in all of us, and because of him, we have this opportunity for a new start, a brand new start, a clean slate, if you please. Let me just suggest a couple of things along these lines. Did you know that the Lord can reconcile your life? Not only can he reconcile your life, he can revolutionize your life. What do we mean when we talk about reconciliation? Well, the Bible says that without reconciliation, there is separation, alienation. Let me give you a passage of Scripture that really underscores what I'm talking about. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, Paul there is writing to people who are outside a covenant relationship with, with the Lord. And he said they are without hope and without God in this world. Now, the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ reconciled both Jew and Gentile in one body under God through the cross. Reconciliation has been extended to the human family. The Lord can reconcile your life to God. Listen, if you would, to what Paul says beginning in verse 18 of chapter 5. He said, all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us, the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not reckoning their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you, we plead with you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Note the emphasis that Paul places on reconciliation. What Paul is saying is that those who are outside of Christ, they're alienated from God. There is a separation there. There is a gulf. And yet Jesus went to the cross 
and in his work on the cross has brought man and God together. Where? In the one body, the church. Let me talk for just a minute or two about not just the Lord having the power to reconcile your life, but he can revolutionize your life. What do I mean when I say he can revolutionize your life? He can take you wherever you are in life, whatever your state, however deep you may feel you are in a life of sin, and he can change your life for the better. How do I know that? Because I can read of people whose lives were marred and scarred by sin, and yet today, I go back and I read the record and I see these people enjoyed a change of life. I mentioned a moment ago, John chapter 4, the Samaritan woman. She had a lengthy conversation with Jesus. In verse 26 of John chapter 4, Jesus identified himself to her as the Messiah, that is the anointed one, the Christ the one the Old Testament prophets said would come. Do you know what this lady did? She went back to her own people, that is the Samaritan people, and she said, come and see a man that told me everything that I've ever done. This lady not only had her own life changed for the better, but her own people were changed for the better. Now you have to understand, these people were despised. In the eyes of many, they were the defiled, viewed as dogs. And yet Jesus made a difference in their lives. He is the difference maker. He can make a difference in your life. What about Zacchaeus? You remember Zacchaeus in Luke 19? Jesus spent some time in his home. Zacchaeus was so impressed with what he heard that he honestly and very candidly talked about his past, didn't he? He said, I give half of my goods to the poor. And then he said, if I have taken anything from any man, I will restore it fourfold. And I think the idea is that he had probably been skimming money. He was a tax collector. And Jesus said, today salvation has come to your house. Now here's a guy that was an outcast, just as Matthew was. He was despised, defiled. And yet the Lord made a difference in his life. And then I think about Paul. You know, the beauty of reading the words of Paul is he has been where Many of us have been in life. That is, when you look at his life, you see somebody who lived in sin. Paul would say in writing to Timothy, he talked about how the Lord had put him into the ministry. Though before he was a blasphemer, persecutor, and he said a haughty or insolent man, but he said, I did it ignorantly in unbelief. I want you to listen to what he said then. 
the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Now listen to what he said, of whom I am chief. If you want to look back at the life of somebody who viewed himself as the chief of sinners, that guy was Paul. And so Paul is saying to those of us who are living today, look, if I can be saved, you can be saved. If my life can be changed for the better through Jesus, your life can be changed for the better. Do you believe that? He is a difference maker. Thirdly, I want to just very quickly mention the state of a new life. Listen now to what Paul said in verse 17 again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Paul here speaks of this new creation, this new life, this brand new start. How is that possible? It begins with the new birth. In John chapter 3, Jesus had a conversation with Nicodemus, and Nicodemus was a ruler among the Jewish people. He was a Pharisee. He came to Jesus by night. And he said, Rabbi, our teacher, we know that you're come from God because no one can do the signs or miracles that you do unless God is with him. And then Jesus said, Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say to you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, Nicodemus thought Jesus was talking about a physical birth. So he raises the question, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus said, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say to you, except a man be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. He said, That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And then he said, Marvel not that I say to you, you must be born again. I can't, I can't promise you a new start, physically speaking. It's impossible for us to go back and to be born again, physically speaking. But I can tell you one thing, you can experience the new birth. You can come to the Lord believing that He is the divine Son of God, just as He said over and over again in the Gospel record. Jesus would say, except you believe that I'm he, you'll die in your sins. And then to repent, to turn to God, to confess his name before others, and then to be immersed in a watery grave of baptism so that every sin might be washed away and then to be placed in the kingdom of God, according to Acts 2, verse 47. The new birth is followed by a new beginning. Listen again to what Paul said. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He said, old things have passed away. All things have become new. Think about this for a minute. When we experience the new birth, that is when we are baptized into Christ, the first thing we have to do is let go of the past. Now the Bible tells us that we repent, that is we turn from a life of sin. We're baptized into Christ we rise to walk in newness of life. 
So we have this new start, this new beginning. One of the most difficult things to do is to let go of the past. Now, when you're born again, spiritually speaking, as Jesus talked about, there are two things that occur. Number one, God forgives your sins. He wipes that slate clean. Whatever you've done, wherever you've been, whatever you've said, all of that is behind you. The Hebrew writer said, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness in Hebrews chapter 8 at verse 12. Not only does God forgive your sins, but he will forget your sins. Listen to Hebrews 8, 12. I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. What the writer is saying is, God is not going to dredge up your past. Once you've been forgiven, he's not going to say, now wait a minute, you remember what you did back on such and such a date? Do you remember when you went here? Do you remember when you said that? All that's in the past. God will purge the record. He'll wipe that slate clean. You'll never again have to look at those sins. You'll never again be faced with those sins. So we have to let go of the past. Now that's the difficult part, isn't it? Sometimes the hardest person to forgive is self. Letting go. Paul talks about forgetting those things which are behind in Philippians chapter 3. And then living in the presence, living one day at a time. Understanding, I only have a short period of time here on earth. The psalmist said, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. To realize that the time that I have here ought to be used constructively for the Lord. To bring him honor and glory. Because I live to bring the Lord glory, do I not? Remember what Paul said in Ephesians 3? That God is glorified in the church. So we live in such a way so that we bring honor and glory to him. So you have the new birth. And what follows that is a new beginning. And then, thirdly, there are new blessings. Again, Paul said, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. What about these new blessings? First, I want to suggest, if you're a child of God, you are rich in Christ. How well off are you financially? There are a lot of folks in our world who live at or below poverty level. And then there are those that we identify as middle class. And then you have the upper crust. It's sad that in the world in which we live, so much emphasis is placed on materialism. What we have in life. I want to tell you something. If you are a Christian, if you're a child of God, the Bible tells us that the Lord makes a deposit in our bank. And we're rich. Rich beyond compare. I'm not talking about money. I'm not talking about material goods. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, the Bible tells us that every spiritual blessing is in Christ. When you become a child of God, every single spiritual blessing is deposited to your account. 
And by that, I mean you have pardon from sin. Those sins are forgiven in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. To know that we have the privilege, the right to call upon Almighty God in prayer. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. His ears are open unto their prayers in 1 Peter chapter 3 at verse 12. To know that I have the presence of God in my life day, day in and day out. Remember what Paul said in Philippians chapter 4 and about verse 5, the Lord is at hand. What he was saying is the Lord is by me. He is present in my life. And then I have the peace of God. Those are things you can't buy with money. And I have the, the promises of God. All of those promises will ultimately be realized in the reward that I have in Christ. Listen, if you would, to what Jesus said in Revelation chapter 2 at verse 10. Be faithful until death. He said the promise is the crown of life. Peter said we have an inheritance. It's incorruptible, undefiled, it fades not away. And he said it's reserved in heaven for you. We live in hope of life eternal, which God who cannot lie promised before the world began, Titus 1-2. So we talk about these new blessings. If you're a child of God, you're rich beyond compare. I close by asking you today the opportunity to start to start over is that appealing would you like to just somehow wipe the slate clean begin again sometimes because we're human beings we think man I'd love to do that again I'd love to I'd love to have the opportunity to go back and and to make some changes. Please listen. You can start over today. God will wipe that slate clean. and You can begin a whole new life in Christ. If you haven't been baptized into Christ, why not do that today so that God will forgive your sins, Acts 2.38. Let him put you in his family. And then be faithful, and the promise is that crown of life. Why not come as we stand and sing?